0: Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 1, Episode 21. I'm Bethany, and joining me today is author Lizelle Sambury to discuss her debut novel, Blood Like Magic. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you would take a moment to rate and review us so we can continue to reach more listeners. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our guests, consider joining the chapter three podcast Patreon. Huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons, including our world expanding patron Trina, if you make this possible. A bit of housekeeping before we get going tonight. First, the On My Radar segment where I share upcoming book releases is going to be moving to the end of each episode. We're going to try this out and see how it goes. It's not going away. We're just going to try changing where it goes in the show. Also, stay tuned for information about season two coming soon. I'm planning to do some sets of episodes about books in particular particular series which should be I think fun we'll see how that goes one of which is going to be the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemison, which I'm rereading and I'm very excited for it I love the series very excited to do a deep dive with all of you more info to come With that said, I am very pleased to introduce to you today's guest. Lizelle Sambury is a Trinidadian Canadian author who grew up in Toronto and her debut novel, Blood Like Magic, just released in June. She describes her writing as messy black girls in fantasy situations and also has a YouTube channel where she shares writing tips and documents her publishing journey. I originally met Lizelle at BookNet Fest, which is a small little convention for content creators in the book space, and you all listening may not know this, but I'm also on YouTube as Beautifully Bookish Bethany, and the podcast is a more recent endeavor for me. All of that to say, I've been following Lizelle for the past couple of years now, um, and I've been so excited to see your book debut, so I'm excited to talk about it. I read it, and I loved it, and I'm so happy you're joining me to chat about it. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. BookNet yeah. Fest feels like so many
1: lifetimes ago now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with COVID, it's, it, it, it kind of was. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. So your first book is out. That's huge. Congratulations thank you yeah
1: it's very strange especially it was already strange because it's just very surreal to have a book out but also Mm -hmm. it's been kind of weird in COVID because where i live we've been in lockdown the whole time so i haven't actually gone to see the book in a bookstore but it's been (laughs) fun friends have been sending me videos and like photos and stuff um and so that's been exciting. And I just announced uh, that uh, Blood Like Magic is the July Indigo Staff Pick of the Month. so Hi, um, congratulations. Thank you. So I'm very excited. In July, I'm going to be going into tr- Toronto now that I'm fully vaccinated. So I'm very excited to go into bookstores and see
0: it. <laughs> I love it. That's exciting. Yeah, and I did want to ask you about it. What has your debut been experience been like so far? It hasn't been very long, but how how has that been? I mean, I know it's got to be a little weird way, again, being in lockdown with COVID, but still exciting.
1: Yeah, definitely super exciting, and it's been so such a positive experience for me. Um, I've been really like fortunate um, with my publisher and with all the support I've gotten from people um, just being excited about the book and talking about the book and yeah it's been honestly really really positive and I know it's not kind of the ideal situation because of right. lockdown um, but I think the 2020 debuts really paved the way for 2021 like once mm-hmm. 2021 came like pretty much everyone was set up with this is how we do online events and like this is mm-hmm. how we pivot our marketing and so it felt very much like there was already kind of an established way to go about things so mm-hmm. that was helpful and then also because i'm in canada and so much of publishing is like centered in the us and of course my publisher is a us publisher there are I think, certain opportunities that may not have been available otherwise um, if they weren't online because it may have required me to kind of travel to the U.S., which I may not have always been able to do in certain mm. circumstances. So it's definitely, like, <laughs> uh, not the usual of mm. an author debuting, but I've been able to still have a really positive experience. Like, I don't think I want to be looking back on this you know years from now and crying to myself about it (laughs) like I think it was still a really great time and I still have more books coming
0: out so it's not like I'm never gonna be able to have that experience right yeah absolutely which we will get to that too because I'm excited to see kind of what you have coming next but um it's good to hear I'm glad it's been fun we all are like very familiar with zoom and all of the things after the last year or so yeah that's cool so i for anybody listening who doesn't know about your book know what it is what's your kind of quick pitch of like what is blood like magic why might they want to pick it up
1: yes so blood like magic is about a family of black witches living in a near future toronto and in particular 16 year old voya thomas who's given the impossible task of either killing her first love or losing her family's magic forever
0: yep (laughs) it's good it's it's very it's a good hook it's it's very dramatic yeah it it definitely is um one of the things that I think is really fun about it is that it is this kind of blend of some you know near future but yeah but it's still it has like some sci-fi elements plus fantasy plus sometimes you kind of veer a little bit into horror which is why I was not shocked to that you know knowing that you're writing horror. I was like, yeah, I see that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that definitely comes through. And there have been some people who like know that I write horror and they're like,
0: yeah, I could, I could tell. There were some things in there where I was like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That was definitely how I felt. I was like, I see. See this? Yes. Okay. Cool. Makes sense. Um, Which I think is I think is really fun. I always love seeing those kinds of genre blends. I think it's interesting. So, I I I have a lot of questions about various things. I have I've made a list. We'll see what we can get. (laughs) (laughs) We can get to. Um, But I do want to ask you a little bit about some different pieces of your world building so like there's the magic piece of it but Mm -hmm. there's also this near future side of it which i thought what you did there was so interesting um because it's like a better version of the world than what we have now still not perfect but a lot of things are improved and i thought some of the ideas you had there were really interesting i'd love to hear your thoughts on like where those came from, how you approached doing all of that. I mean, I think one example of this is you have legislated affordable housing to help with gentrification and things like that. I just think was, I, I thought that was so fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think when I was deciding how things were going to be different, I was very much thinking about what we already had, and what to me felt conceivable to change in the future. Um, and, you know, things like Toronto, like, there is a very big issue with housing, even people who are middle class, not really afford to live in that city. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of try to think of, okay, what might be the government type solution to that and would that happen and Mm so in that case it's a little bit of gray like there's affordable housing in certain places but also Mm -hmm. there are people who will kind of fake their way in and they'll move money around and they'll make it seem like they have less money than they do so that they can get Mm -hmm. into that housing and to me that's kind of the edge of realism I try to skate on even with things like you know police violence um, against black people I'm talking about you know, now there are consequences. So the cop shoots someone, shoots a Black person, and yeah, 100% they're going to get murder charges. But Mm. they keep doing it. And the instinct to not incite that violence in the first place hasn't gone away. Um, And so that's really how I was thinking about things in the future. I think some things are certainly things that I think we're on the way to. Like, I do think a lot of people are very aware of people's pronouns and trying to get people's pronouns correct and so you know now there's a system in the future and it's kind of like everybody has these profiles anyway and so it's easy for you to hold up your phone to someone and have it spit out their profile with their pronouns and be like okay that's what they are and move Mm -hmm. forward with it um Mm -hmm. and so yeah that was definitely my mindset with it um and we did have to scale the back book a the book back timeline wise a little bit it was actually originally set in 2099 um, oh. and my editor was like some of these don't seem far enough in the future and I was like hmm. that's fair and so we scaled <laughs> it back um, it was mostly the cars I had them driving cars and she was like but they're self-driving cars already why wouldn't they yeah. just have self-driving cars and I was like okay that's legitimate. (laughs) (laughs) Fair point. Yeah, I was like, true. I was like, they're self-driving cars. They're still good. The odd one is still killing people. But you know, (laughs) people are on the road in Tesla's that do have, you know, those sorts of functions. So it's just like pushing it forward, like, okay, now it's affordable for everyone. And like, pretty much everyone can have that. And you know the Ubers are driven by self-driving cars because I just imagine a company like Uber would, as fast as they could, get rid of people.
0: I mean, yes. Right? <laughs> hope, like, is that good or bad? I don't know, but like, yes. That's yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 100%, yeah. I think it's re- I think it's really interesting because I was like, yeah, okay, okay, this is like I can see where this goes. Let's let's let cool. Okay, so the other piece of this is you have this magic system, which again is really interesting it's like which magic there's so many there's so much to it so i'm going to let you kind of ex- explain it i thought it was it was really interesting and all the different families and the ancestors like there was so much tied into it
1: yeah, the magic system really built over time because when I started, I started with simple rules. And the rule was you had to bleed to cast spells. And if mm. you didn't, you could use your gift. And everybody would have their own gift, ranging from things that are laughable to things that are considered very powerful and impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was kind of just like every revision I did, I layered on something <laughs> different. So I was like, okay. They need a ceremony to go through because that's why she's in this bath. It's the beginning of this ceremony to come into your powers as a witch. And okay, now you have to make a choice between these two items. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have your ancestor be the person that gives this task to you. So everybody, that's how they connect to their ancestor, their- all given this task if they pass the ancestor gives them a gift um, and if they don't they don't get magic they don't get to become a witch um, mm-hmm. and then it was like thinking about all the things that bounce off like from that like yeah. okay so what would it be like if you didn't become a witch how would that change the dynamics of your family or what if you got a really crappy gift <laughs> like how would that change <laughs> the dynamics of your family and mm-hmm. like, how your family is seen by other people and it was a lot of like Layer upon layer upon layer. Um, because when I first wrote the book, I did basically discovery wrote it. So I did not have those things in place. Those were things that I had to keep adding and figuring out as time went on. So, like, the final product is significantly more complicated than what I set <laughs> out with. Yeah. Um, because, you know, different things come up. And the more I developed characters, the more I thought of different backgrounds and things like that, like in developing this connection between Voya and her ancestor, that's when I developed, okay, the ancestors are picking people because they feel that they have something to teach them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what the task is. It's not just something random. The purpose is to teach them something. And then that was like tweak everything all around. But the Extra complication, I guess, of the magic is <laughs> the connection also with
0: genetics and with that. Yes, that was so connection. interesting. Oh, I love yeah. that. I was like, so that there was like a biological, biological component to the functioning of magic. I was like, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, and I love that. And that came about mostly because I was really worried. I had heard that publishing didn't like genre blends, and I was worried that if they were not blended so like that they could never be separated, that Mm -hmm. I would query an agent and they would say, why don't we just take out the sci-fi? And I absolutely didn't want that to happen. And so I became very paranoid. And I (laughs) blended them as much as possible. And so, you know, witches can kind of, When they get their gifts, their genes change um, Mm -hmm. and to reflect and to deal with this new power that they're going to have. And so, you know, you have some witches who kind of have more access to genetic data that are going to try and guess what their gift can be. Um, (laughs) But also there's a genetic component to how the gifts are being passed down. And there's this, you know, a thing that comes up later that is genetically based that threatens magic that they then have to try and fix. And I loved kind of making sure that I had this component that would force them to interact with the technology and to interact Mm. with the future and to be affected by advances like genetic
0: manipulation. Which I think is really cool because like, that's not something you always see, but that's always what I wonder Because you would think that in a modern or futuristic setting, if somebody has magic, like somebody's going to want to study it, you know, like somebody's (laughs) going to want to figure out like what exactly is going on here. And I also, I've got to say, I love it too, because we don't get a lot of great sci-fi stuff in YA, partly because I think like don't always know how to market it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, so.
1: that was why i so feared them telling me yeah. to take out the sci-fi because it was like <laughs> publishing's having a moment where they like are afraid of sci-fi and they're yeah of how to market it and think that it's gonna flop and i was like if i don't have a solid reason for why this sci-fi <laughs> is in here <laughs> they're gonna chuck it out well i um, love it i'm glad you did it yeah, I'm very happy with it. I'm very, very glad that I did that. Because it okay. ended up being more fun, too. It
0: was just mm-hmm. like, it was an interesting way to explore it. Yeah. Well, I also think it's something, it's something fresh. It's something different. You know, it's not, this isn't like the same sort of why which story you've seen. Like, there's a lot about it that is very fresh. And I think it was, it made it fun to read. Yay. Yeah. Um, okay, so, like, the added complication here with the magic, right, is then you also have this piece of, like, clean versus unclean magic. And this gets very dark, which I also want to ask you about that, about, like, writing some of these scenes, because this book gets quite brutal at times. Yeah. It really does.
1: <laughs> uh, and if you can believe it, it used to be worse. I Really? <laughs> I scaled things back. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I scaled things back because it uh, made things difficult.
0: (laughs) See, and this is why, like, you saying you're writing horror, I'm, like, not shocked. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not
1: shocked. I, yeah, it's definitely in the vein of a dark fantasy with some of the things that go on in there
0: generally anything you want to say about kind of like the clean versus unclean magic and then also how you approach writing some of those scenes because like as I said like some of those scenes are they're a lot they're
1: very intense yes okay so so yeah there's this the pure versus impure magic and pure versus impure that's okay yes and what impure witches do is they will torture people they will sometimes kill people and so they're gathering blood that is not their own and what happens when they do those sorts of rituals is they get this kickback magic and that increases their overall limit of magic that they can do with their own blood so each witch is always using their own blood to cast but the difference is impure witches have used the pain of someone else or the death of someone else to bolster their strength essentially and so that creates complications in the community because some people are very much like oh my gosh that's wrong you shouldn't be torturing or killing people that's terrible and so the pure witches are very like you know, they feel very much like they are the right way to be a witch and the right right way to use magic. And there's a lot of separating themselves from impure witches versus like, but the downside of that is the pure witches have less ma- magic overall. So they tend to have weaker gifts. Uh, they tend to have not as much power and therefore not as much means to make money. They tend to be, you know, not rich families. And so that's Voya's family. And mm-hmm. to me, like that, division was a big part of the inter-community conflict to me it's just natural that inside of communities you have your own different sorts of conflict you know even in real life in the black community you have certain conflicts like you have colorism you have different people have different feelings about you know you should only be dating black people or you should not be dating people outside of your race and things like that that cause a lot of friction in which case, you're very much thinking, you can be on a side very much thinking your opinion and how you're going about this is very wrong. And so, to me, it was natural to put something like that in the story. But of course, I kind of made it a <laughs> both sides thing because I hate just pure evil characters. Like, I hate mm-hmm. the idea of someone just being a big bad and like it's so easy to write them off as the evil one. So, for Voya, you know. One of her best friends is an impure witch. Um, She's young. She hasn't actually participated in any torture or killing, but she will. And that's kind of a difficult point for them. And she's also missing now. And her family, because they're a pure family and they're too good for impure witches, they don't want to help find her. But at the same time, they're hypocritical because there's this other family that's close, more closely related to them and they're impure witches too, but they'll associate with them because they're family, but they also do good things. They help the community. They create a school to help educate, you know, young witches and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's what I really wanted. And I, just because I'm naturally like this, this is probably the horror (laughs) in me. I just like had to make it so ridiculous and this is one of the things i stepped back because originally they always had to kill someone (laughs) oh i was like oh my gosh too many dead bodies everywhere i was like it's too far (laughs) yeah i was like there's only so many murders you can get away with and so i made that a lot more rare um than it was originally (laughs) um but yeah that was like a big thing for me i really wanted that division on top of more divisions that come later but because it kind of created this it increased the moral dilemma for voye i think because she's in contact with these people who do actually murder people and Mm -hmm. she's always been told that's wrong but now her family's trying to like turn around and go back on everything they've ever taught her to be like, <laughs> yeah. well, well, maybe you just kill
0: this boy. And like, that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, I love it because it's like, it does complicate things. And I love that you have these characters who are not just like one thing or another, and even characters who do really awful things who are still likable and I mean I think that's kind of true to life yeah Yeah. I agree
1: that's what I think and I think it's a lot more interesting to me to write and to read like when someone's like pure like Disney villain evil I Mm. just don't understand (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like we would just want you to kill them and like
0: that would we would all be fine with that yeah 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 no, it's great. I, I, I think it's that that was very good. Very interesting. OK, so you, you've got these like really intense sort of brutal horror ish scenes. But then you also have these food descriptions that made me so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a little bit of everything. But I would love to hear about kind of that. Like where I mean, like I'm assuming you must cook. Because seriously, like some of these like recipes, I was like, this sounds really good. I need this.
1: Yes. Yeah, I do cook. And, you know, I grew up that's how I connected to, you know, Trinidadian culture was mm-hmm. cooking and my grandpa cooking for us and like going to Caravana and eating those foods and going to the roti shop and eating all those mm-hmm. going to the West India store. And
0: I've always mm-hmm. been a person that's been very food focused. so uh, Again, like not surprised reading the book. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So those things were important to me. And it was so Fun for me to
1: also like share those, you know, those pieces of my culture that I, Mm -hmm. you know, rarely read in books or rarely see in books. It was super fun to like put that in and like, you know, not only imagine like people discovering like new foods that they can try, but like people who are part of that culture, like seeing something and being like, oh my God, I eat that all the time. Or, you know, my family cooks that all the time. Um, All these like, and I feel like to me, I need those like happy, light, fluffy moments to balance out the like really brutal horror moments. Because I mm-hmm. think those are fun too, but <laughs> I think it can be you need a lot. you can't have that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know not everyone is as jazzed to read about stabbings <laughs> and beheadings
0: as I am. Talking.
1: Yes. <laughs> I just love it so it's nice to have those things too and to mm-hmm. me it's like those like horror moments are so much pain and so much pain for the characters and like can be painful for people reading as well and so i like need those light moments in between yeah. to like bring in the joy because at the end of the day like i want this to be like a fun urban fantasy um, yeah. so it's not all like doom and gloom and yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like you achieved that balance pretty well i think it's it's definitely fun so I guess question and then maybe suggestion, depending, like it says book one, is there going to be, do we know, is there going to be another book in this series world?
1: Yes. So there is a sequel. I'm actually working on it now. I'm doing my first, my second edit with my editor. Um, And that's going to be the series
0: conclusion. So it's a duology. So I have a suggestion for you. (laughs) (laughs) If you were, I I had a thought, like if you were thinking of some kind of a pre-order campaign for the second book, you could consider doing like a digital recipe book.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: that would be cool. I'm just saying, you know. I think that would
1: be fun. Yeah, that would be cool. I'd have to, like, think of how to tweak recipes. I use, like, so many of other people's recipes. (laughs) So that I struggle. (laughs) Because I'm like, I don't want to steal their recipe. But that would be fun to even, like, partner with someone that, like. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, like, those foods. Mm -hmm. Just a thought for you, you know. Yeah. Then we could all cook the food you're describing. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so kind of like pivoting to some some other things. This book is a lot about family. Voya, her family, they all live together. She's got like cousins and siblings and siblings, and like complicated family relationships. I mean, even just like her parents are divorced and her dad is remarried, and they all live in the same house like. Yeah. <laughs> wild so I would love to hear you talk a little bit about that approaching that like I'm curious too. like do you have like siblings or cousins or whatever because it it was so interesting to me like all of the different relationships between the characters
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so I grew up um in a big like family so there were like I can't even remember the exact number there were like eight of us in the house living all okay. together um at its peak <laughs> 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 plus sometimes people would visit and then there would be more people yeah. um and I also had three cousins but they were significantly older than me they all have like 10 years on me. Um, So it was a different sort of dynamic. I was like an extra, extra young little sister. Like I was basically Mm. the Eden in that situation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like I just grown up in that house and I loved it. I loved having so many family members around me all the time. Like I would come home from school and like the house would fill up with people. And it's also like those dynamics have always appealed to me the complicated family dynamics and things that like you know come out later that you don't know like there are things that like you know the adults in my family were like you're too young to know this and then once I like hit a certain age (laughs) they were like you're basically an adult and then all these things came out and I was like wait (laughs) all this stuff was happening yeah Um, yeah. yeah and of course not to the same level of drama as yeah, family right but, I, but it's I mean, there's a lot in her family i was like what okay so much happening so much um, but i've always really loved that dynamic and like mm. how all those people interact with each other and get along with each other because it's a lot of people to have in a space especially depending on like the size of your house yeah. um and so it was really natural to me to have Voya have that sort of family, to have a really large and a blended family. And I just love writing all of them. And it was only really when the first, like I had my first beta readers and they were like, wow, these are a lot, this is a lot of characters, but like you've done it
0: well. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, this is probably a lot of people. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, I kind of loved it. I, um... Like I also grew up in a pretty large family and also my grandparents lived with us for a lot of years. And mm-hmm. I, have, I have five siblings and so it's, it, it was fun like to read this. I was like, oh yeah, this is, but then it's obviously it wasn't like so many extended family members in the same way. So it was really interesting to read their relationships. I also thought it was really interesting. And, and you know what, this makes sense to me too, hearing you say that you were kind of like the younger one in the family, because I thought it was so fascinating we're in Voya's head and she like really values being at home with family and like doesn't want that to change. And she has a, I think it's is it her cousin that, uh, I, think, Case? I think her cousin. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. like wants to go off on her own and wants to go and like have her own life and not be there all the time. And I thought that was so interesting because I definitely was, I was the oldest. And so I was the like, I want to go and in other places and so it was really interesting to me being in Voya's head but like I I'm just curious like how much of that is like you know your experience of being younger in the family I don't know I'm just I made me wonder
1: yeah I I don't it's kind of interesting that to think of it because I've never really thought of it that much um Because, yeah, but it's true. I never really thought that much about leaving the house until it was like, you know, they put my computer in uh, like a general space so that they could see me. And I was like, people are coming over here and looking over my shoulder when I'm trying to read fan fiction. And I can't (laughs) have this anymore. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, then me and my mom moved out shortly. After okay. that, We moved out when I was like 13, but we always lived super close. So I always like came to my grandparents and then at a certain point, my mom moved even closer. <laughs> so I would always just like go over to my grandparents house all the time. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was just now I could like go back to my own space. So mm-hmm. I definitely value having your own space and i wanted to go away for school really desperately because i was like i told my mom i said if i have to go to u of t i will cry because i can't i can't never leave yeah so I get in that, that way. yeah so in that way i was like interested in leaving but i mm-hmm. think i think so much of voya as someone who like the family is basically like all she has and that's mm. like all she has going for her. So she's like, Of yes. course, we would all stay here and like continue doing exactly. Right. What we call like, why, why would you ever want anything to change? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh. Especially
0: as a character that's bad with decisions, like things right. changing means making more decisions. Yeah, which was so interesting because she's great at making choices for other people, but for herself, she's just like, it's like debilitating, which that whole character arc was really fascinating to watch. With all of these characters, between like the love interests and the cousins, all these side characters, you also have so much queer representation, which I think is fantastic. I would love to hear you talk about how you approached all of that i also know from watching your channel that you used sensitivity readers and like if you want to talk at all about that experience um i think that that would be interesting because i'm i'm guessing maybe you had sensitivity readers for some of those things
1: yes absolutely so A lot of characters did kind of come to me with their own sort of full formation. Like I always knew Luke was trans and then it felt kind of weird for him to be the only trans person. So then I was like, (laughs) there's another trans person. And then other characters like Keisha always just like fully formed lesbian. (laughs) And I was like, yep, that's Keisha. And then some things were added on. Um, I was like, I actually think it would work for her to be demi romantic. And also because I think like she's such a person that like has such a fun time dating. I like the idea of being able to counter like, you know, just because she's a demi-romantic person doesn't mean she doesn't have interest in those sorts of things. I know it's very different Mm -hmm. for different people on the spectrum, but that was how I had thought of her. But once I had kind of decided on these full formations, I was like, well you can't just like go strutting off into the distance with this um, <laughs> because you know it can be very easy to fall into harmful patterns and tropes yeah. when you aren't like thinking about it and you aren't trying to be authentic with your representation and like right. be sensitive and I had messed that up in the second book I ever wrote it was fully problematic and so I was very like Diligent about like listening to people in that community on social media and like their experiences and things like that. And then of course I had the additional layer of the sensitivity readers to help out as well. So I had three readers on this book. So I had a trans mask reader for mm-hmm. Luke, and I had a trans femme character, uh, sorry, not character reader for Alex um, and then I had a reader for um, the demi-romantic rep as well
0: that's awesome
1: yeah so that was great and they were so fantastic and this was something I really learned when I went through that process you know they didn't just show me things that were like this could be potentially harmful they Mm -hmm. also pointed out opportunities and like things that like hey this is like something that like I go through that like maybe it would make sense for it to come up at some point and mm-hmm. then I would kind of figure out a point for that and yeah it was really helpful in that way and like there were good because there were some moments like in the book there's a discussion of how like people trans transition medically in Mm -hmm. the future and originally I hadn't put that in because I was like oh is that like too like concentrated on like (laughs) their bodies and things like that whereas the reader was like I would actually be really interested in how that would be for people and the opportunity there was he said you know you can just talk about what options are there and out there without having to say this character has or hasn't done that and that way you can stay away from like feeling like you're fetishizing their body or like exposing their body and I was Mm. like yes this is perfect yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) that's yeah that's so interesting it I mean reading it 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 felt like there had been other eyes on it because there were so many kind of like small moments that are things that again like I've heard people talk about but I like like I feel like you wouldn't if you if that wasn't your experience you probably wouldn't think to put in you know Mm -hmm. um of like like i i think there's a point where luke asks her to not stare at his body because he's uncomfortable with that. like experiences he's had with that like there were just like little like small things like that that mm-hmm. i just was like okay this is, this is this is really interesting
1: yeah yeah it was really good i'm really happy with how everything came together and you know i hope that i've done the most authentic you know well-represented sensitive portrayals that I can um but I also acknowledge that I'm not a perfect person but Mm -hmm. to me I need to have tried my best and that's what's important to me
0: yeah I mean I think that's that's huge it's interesting to hear for anybody listening like do you have suggestions like if people are writers and are trying to figure out like how do you how do you get a sensitivity reader like what are things to look for do you have any suggestions or thoughts on that
1: (laughs) yeah so for me, because I kind I naturally follow a wide breadth of people on social media, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it'll come up where, people will say, oh, hey, I'm doing sensitivity reader services. And I'll be like, oh, that person does this. And I'll like note it down for Mm -hmm. the future. I'll also search on Twitter, like I'll search sensitivity reader. You can also look, this is a little bit more tricky, but you can look in people's acknowledgements of their Mm -hmm. books, because sometimes they will list sensitivity readers. Not everyone wants to always be listed as a sensitivity reader. So I made sure I emailed all of mine to be like, how would you like to be referred to in the acknowledgements. Right. Um, But those are some ways. There are also some services that have, like, a range of sensitivity readers. I know, I think it's called Salt and Sage. They're, like, one company, and they have, like, 12 sort of, like, on-staff, quote-unquote, sensitivity readers that read for all different things. And so they have a profile, and it lists for all the different things they read for and says, like, the rates and that sort of thing i've also just like a lot of the times i will just ask people word of mouth wise because then i at least know that someone has worked with them before like in the sequel i wanted a reader for addiction and substance abuse because that plays a bigger role in the second book and Mm -hmm. so i kind of asked around for people i was like does anyone know of any sensitivity readers that will read for this i found someone that way who turned out to be really fantastic so Lots of different methods, but also kind of a lot of digging Mm -hmm. um, because it's still not, I think, sensitivity reading as a practice is still not like super duper widespread. And I find that like, uh, I don't really think publishers necessarily have go to people. My editor did offer to look for me or to help look, but there were some people I just already had in mind and I kind of wanted to like search out my own people. Mm -hmm. But that's also an option. If you're with a publisher, they may be able to find people that they've already worked with in the past.
0: Yeah. And how how was it in terms of your publisher being open to paying for sensitivity readers?
1: Yes. So my publisher, they pay for one. And okay. that's kind of like a base policy to my understanding okay. um so they paid for one and then i paid for the other two for the first book and for the sequel they paid for one again and then i paid for another one and okay. of course i asked them to pay for the person who has to read the most it is the most expensive that makes sense <laughs> That seems yeah. like a good choice. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. good to be strategic about these things. And I have yeah. was never kind of told this person is too expensive. So that's okay. something else um, that's been positive. Yeah.
0: Cool. So um, you mentioned that you did like discovery writing for this book, which if you want to explain like a little bit, and may, maybe you kind of did, but like what that is. And I'd be curious to hear kind of your process of, of writing this and also what that's been like, doing it on YouTube because I, I mean you've done you, you've done a lot of this process with a YouTube channel which I just think is an interesting way to to have a journey like this
1: yeah absolutely so <laughs> discovery writing is like the new polite way to say pantsing <laughs> Um, So there are like plotters and pantsers. So there are Mm -hmm. people who plot the books completely beforehand and people who kind of write by the seat of their pants. And so they, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of just kind of go in with maybe a way more loose plan or that sort of thing. Um, Now we call it discovery writing because pantsing, I guess it like (laughs) it's. It seems to suggest that they like haven't prepared at all for what they're doing,
0: (laughs) Um, which
1: is not necessarily the case versus Mm -hmm. like discovery writing is I maybe plan some stuff and then I discover things along the way as I'm writing and those get enveloped into my process. Right. so that's essentially what I mean by discovery writing. So when I set out to write but Like Magic, I did not have a lot planned. Part of that was just the style of how I wrote at the time. Part of that was because it was NaNoWriMo and I was 10 days into the month and switching <laughs> projects and I was panicking. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, now I have even less time to write this full book. I just need <laughs> to get going. And so, yeah, that was... It's not a process that works for me that I would like to continue in the future. (laughs) I would much prefer to plot things, especially things like world building. For context, I rewrote half of Blood Like Magic twice. Wow. Because I had to fix the genetic matchmaking twice (laughs) because I didn't plan it to begin with. So definitely I... I'm much more of a structured writer now and I feel like it helps a lot and I feel like it shows, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, the process of writing the sequel was so much smoother than the process of writing this first book. But yeah, the being on YouTube. So when I made my first YouTube video, Mm -hmm. even though I acted like my book was on submission, I had already sold the book at that point. Oh wow. By the time I went on YouTube, I had known, That I had sold the book. Um, And to me, like doing that was like I was doing like the Alexa Dunn method. I had watched a video (laughs) where she talked about how she waited until she knew she had a deal before jumping on there. But I also think AuthorTube and the landscape of it has changed a lot now. Like, I think there's been a big move towards writing vlogs and just sharing your journey Mm -hmm. versus being seen as a person of authority giving advice to others. And so I think if, that had been the landscape, I probably wouldn't have been like, oh, I need to have some sort of back of my mind, like, <laughs> authority to hop on and do this. But yeah, the whole process of editing Blood Like Magic, of waiting to announce, of like, preparing all of that was on YouTube. And it's funny, thinking of Booknet Fest because when I was invited to Booknet Fest, that's when I emailed my agent and I was like, okay, you have to let me announce before this. Please, please, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's contact them and let's be sure that I can announce before I go to this thing because um, I'm going to be speaking and meeting people and I would really not love to not
0: have to hold back. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That sense. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's, that's fascinating. I mean, I think it makes sense. So moving forward, right. I feel like you're doing a lot of different things. So I would love to hear you talk about it. I know you, as you said, you're working on the sequel to Blood Like Magic, which is exciting, but I've been like mentioning this horror thing. So what else, what else do you have coming?
1: Yes. So in 2023, I have Butcher Birds, which is a YA standalone. It's like at the intersection of horror and psychological suspense. Um, It's very cerebral. That's, I think, the big difference between it and Blood Like Magic. It's like a lot of interior. Well, there's a lot of interior panic in Blood Like Magic. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of interior conflict um okay. and it's about a girl and her mother who's a single mother and they inherit a mansion in northern Ontario that turns out to be not as idyllic as it may seem and in a parallel timeline years later a budding investigative journalist tries to figure out what happened to her so there's lots of like complicated family drama I can never get away with from it. I, love um, it. I love it too much. <laughs> but in this case, it's very concentrated because it's very focused on this mother and single mother and daughter relationship and like how the daughter gets along with her mother because they're actually quite isolated from the rest of their family. And the mom has quite a few secrets that come out. There is a next door family of psychics and it's a lot of fun. I'm very, very
0: excited about that book. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm so excited excited about it. it. (laughs) Not so far. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really exciting, though. Okay. so I like I can't remember if you've ever talked about this, and I just am forgetting, but i'm I am curious. you know, so far, you've been writing y a. Is that, like, do you have any interest in writing adult fiction at some point or not? and why?
1: I do. So I'm actually, I've been on and off working on an adult horror. Uh, I wrote one and then I decided that I hated it. So I started a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the joys of YouTube. I'm like doing your journey and it's like, yeah, I just like hate this book and I'm not going to work on it anymore. I Um, mean, if you hate it, then you shouldn't. So it makes (laughs) sense. Exactly, but yeah, I'm very interested in getting into adult horror thriller, Mm -hmm. um,
0: into that space and
1: like doing those stories. Um, That's exciting. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I also think, I mean, uh, YA as well. Like, we need more horror in general. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like especially adult horror thrillers. I've had people in the last couple years, and we're starting to see a few more here and there. But like, Mm -hmm. like it, it is very white. Like those yeah. genres and um, like the, the seeing a little bit more diversity is exciting. Yeah,
1: so. I definitely
0: agree for
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's definitely something I'm excited to be doing and yeah. bringing to those genres. So yeah. yeah, very excited for both. And then in 2024, I'll have another YA horror slash something probably I can never not genre blend apparently so I
0: am all for it I love a good genre blend yeah (laughs) that's awesome okay so quick couple quick questions before we get to the like on my radar stuff at the end here but favorite thing about this could either be about writing blood like magic or favorite thing you wrote in blood like magic and then also like what was the hardest thing about it
1: i think my favorite thing about writing blood like magic has always been like the family relations and like the drama that happens between them i love like those little interactions between the family like that everybody gets annoyed with uncle Cathius. he's always going to be annoying (laughs) um i love that keisha and case snipe at each other and they have this feud over their shared name even though case insists that's not why (laughs) um And all those like little dynamics. I love Alex like and these big sister moments she has with the rest of the characters while also like very much standing her ground when she needs to like all those little interactions are always my favorite part of the book. And, like, thinking about them deeply and, like, there was one point where I, like, had to get down to it and I had to write down every family member's name and all their goals and all their motivations because I had just been, like, discovery writing it all. And my editor was, like, so what does everyone want? Because it's unclear as to, like, if they're on, like, team rah-rah kill Luke or team, like, no, murder is bad. Mm. (laughs) So that had to be ironed out. But all of that was fun to do. So I think that's definitely my favorite part of writing the book. The most challenging part of writing the book to me was really nailing Voya's motivations and her goals as a character. Mm. Um, There was a point in which, you know, I was doing edits with my publisher, and I was like, oh, her motivation is wrong. This isn't actually what she wants. What I'm saying that she wants is not actually what she wants as a character <laughs> and then I had to go back and like tweak all of this stuff to fix that but it felt a lot more right and a lot mm. more correct and like I felt like once I had done that I was like yes this is absolutely who Voya is but that took clearly a while to figure out and yeah. get it right but it was yeah it was the most challenging but it was very worth it because then when I jumped into the sequel it was like you know putting on a well oiled glove. <laughs> right. I she like it felt like you already
0: is. like know who she is and yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's,
0: cool. That's so interesting. Well, I think it's fantastic. It's a great debut. I'm very excited to see what else we get from you because there's a lot of a lot of fun things in there. So everybody should go read Blood Like Magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna do on my radar where we share some recent or upcoming book releases in sci-fi fantasy and romance that I'm excited about. Again, trying it at the end of the show, it's at the beginning. If people wanna let me know their thoughts on placement. I am open to suggestions. Okay, so I'm going to share some things I'm excited about, and then Lizelle will have the opportunity to share one as well. The books for today's episode that I'm sharing will be released between July 6th and July 19th, 2021, with the exception of the guest recommendation, which could be in including any upcoming release. So first up on July 6th, we have Island Queen by Vanessa Riley. She's a historical romance author, and this is her first historical fiction based on the true story of a free woman of color who rose from slavery to become one of the wealthiest and most powerful landowners in the colonial West Indies. The cover is gorgeous. It looks really interesting. And I love what I've read from Vanessa Riley. I haven't read this one yet, but it's just coming out. Then July 13th, we've got a few things. First up is Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. This is a novella that is like soft science fiction, which is a lot of what Becky Chambers writes. I really love it a lot. There is a tea monk and a robot, and it's set in a future that's like post-dystopia, where things are now better and humanity has learned to Coexist with the environment in a positive way. It's just, it's really lovely. Like if you need like a break, <laughs> because that's for people who need a break. It's 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 a great little novella. And then uh, also on July thirteenth, we've got Flashfire by TJ clune which is the sequel to The extraordinaries This is YA sci-fi with like superhero elements. I really enjoyed the first book. It was very funny. Is, the main character is gay, its own voices for that. He also has ADHD. And I, I just thought it was really, really good. So I'm curious to see what he does with the sequel. And then lastly, we have The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. This one is a YA horror novel that's like a ghost story. They're calling it similar. They're they're saying it's similar to Get Out, which like kind of, but it's more of a ghost story than Get Out. <laughs> Just like to set expectations, but it's it's very very interesting. It's about a teen boy who is a medium. He can see ghosts and interact with the spiritual world, and he's being haunted by the ghost of this white boy who was a school shooter, and he's got his own like traumatic backstory. It's like an intense one, not very long, Um, very very interesting. So those are the books that are coming out soon, and then. Lizelle, do you have any books you're excited about that are coming out soon?
1: Yes. Um, I'm also excited about the taking of Jake Lewinson, but I, <laughs> <mention that obviously. laughs> I love it, but I'm so, so excited about white smoke by Tiffany D Jackson. Wow. I'm just like, I'm such a fan of her and her <laughs> books. I love them so much. And like, when I heard she was writing a horror, like my soul mm-hmm. left my body. I <laughs> So excited. Yeah. And I feel like all I know about it is like that there's like a haunted house and that was enough. That was enough for me.
0: (laughs) I know when I saw the cover and read the description, I was like, yes, adding that to my wish list. (laughs) It looks amazing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, Another one one. I'm really excited about is uh, So Many Beginnings by Bethany C. Morrow. (sighs) I just like I'm so excited to see how she remixes it because I read the original Little Women and I I didn't like it and I got really I was very upset about like Annie just like swooping in there and like (laughs) marrying Laurie even though that had been who her sister was so in love with I just
0: like I I wasn't on board. (laughs) That's so funny. I so I love Little Women and for anybody listening, this is a book where she's like we said remixing Little Women but with a black family of sisters, which I'm I'm also very curious to see what she does with it. That's mm-hmm. so funny. I you know, I think a lot of people felt that way. I didn't as much, but I get it. Like, yeah. I understand. I get the I I understand.
1: Yeah. I also think I read it. I must have read it when I was like 19 or 20. So I was the most in my feelings about things. (laughs) It makes
0: a lot of sense. Whereas I think I was like, like eleven when I read it for the first time, so yeah. I was like, I was, I was not there yet. <laughs> yeah, you were like, yeah. Oh, well, he can marry whoever. Yeah, I marry. was like, whatever. Like, she wants to go live her life. Let her live her life. Oh,
1: I love yeah, that. So but yeah, I'm really excited about that one. And then another one I can't wait for is uh, The Dead in the Dark by Courtney Gould. Um, mm-hmm. like. Family of Ghost Hunters, yes. Traffic Romance, and um, like, and that man.
0: cover, oh, it beautiful. has everything beautiful. for me. Beautiful. So excited. I love it. Yeah, that one I'm planning on reading. I have an early copy of it, so I'm going to be reading that this month. I'm very excited. So, <laughs> yeah, I well, okay, I have, yeah, <laughs> it will be coming. I actually, okay, so this is, like, not on my list, but I, for you, uh, Because we're talking. I'm reading a book right now that I'm really into, and I feel like maybe you should check out too. It's Small Favors by Erin Craig. Oh, yeah. I've been, like,
1: seeing the, like, little teeth because I follow yeah. her on Instagram, I would say okay. little yeah. teeth. and I thought it was, like, I don't know what I thought the book was. I was <laughs>
0: judging based only off cover, and then I heard it was, like, creepy, and I was, it's, like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's creepy. I mean, it's, like, it's, like, a slow burn horror novel. I'm halfway through it right now, and I'm so into it. It's, oh. yeah, it's really interesting. It's a lot of, like, small town secrets, but, like, creepy mystical things happen like there, it, I think I think you might enjoy it it's I love that like, I would give it a try it's, it's I'm gonna uh, have to pre-order yeah. <laughs> it's like quiet horror yeah I love sound, that like yeah yeah it's great I love
1: all the different types of horror I like mm-hmm. being able to like read a mix of it which is funny because actually before I wrote my horror I did not read any horror at all <laughs> I only watched horror movies oh interesting and- And then I was like, oh, no, I'm writing this. I should read some of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But in some ways it was helpful because I wasn't falling into tropes that I saw like Mm -hmm. too regularly to want to do it because I was so writing from a movie lens. But I'm really enjoying reading a lot of horror now. And I'm so glad that
0: YA is getting more and getting diverse. Yes. I love it. I love to see it. It's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This Definitely. was great. Yeah. Uh, go check out Lizelle's book. And again, this has been chapter three podcast. I'm your host, Bethany. You can follow us on Twitter at chapter three podcast, on TikTok now, newly on at chapter three podcast on Instagram. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Bethany talking about books. And uh, the next episode is going to be available in two weeks. And this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.